0: I basically saved up 600 bucks, bought a box of t-shirts and the bare minimum stuff you need to learn how to screen print and gave that a a crack. Phoebe and I have sold our cars to pay for your your general bills or whatever. We lived in a $200 house for three years, renting and that kind of stuff. It's just like, again, that's not sexy. It's pretty nuts to look, look back on. It's crazy to think everything's come from that. For some reason, it's all panned out. G'day, this is
1: Living the Dream, a podcast from Gage Roads where you'll hear from people who are all about going after what they love. We'll chat to photographers, musos, surfers, designers, a range of people who are living life their way. In this episode, how to start your own clothing brand. Ollie McDonald was the guy in school who'd be drawing designs and making them into tees for him and his mates. And 10 years on, he's still doing it, except there's a lot more people than his mates wearing his threads. Ollie Clothing has gone from high school idea to national brand with Ollie and his partner Phoebe creating a huge online following. There's weekly limited releases that sell out fast, a retail shop in the heart of Perth and a new studio that's fast filling with like-minded crew bringing Ollie Clothing to life. But it really has been a battle and it's taken some time and despite all that growth, it's still all about hand-drawn, hand-printed and local. Ollie, good day. Thanks for having me. Going back to the early days, I kind of referenced it in high school, mm-hmm. drawing designs for your mates. Do you still have any of those old tees in a cupboard or a drawer somewhere at home?
0: Yeah, often um, being in the business, I'm always accumulating more and more clothes, and new things and um, often do wardrobe clean outs, but they seem to be the ones that I hold on to. I um, always thought I'd like to have one of everything um, and hold on to it, but i definitely run out of space. So I've still got some of those original pieces and they're all, um, drawn with just fabric markers um it's all, all one-off pieces but yeah, I'll hold on to them
1: is there one that's really special that you've seen in the drawer you've maybe gone to chuck it in on the clean out but it somehow just survives time after time
0: yeah probably like the the twine tee which is like one of the very early ones um in high school when when I was actually toying with a few different different names I think like scallywag threads and all the cool high school things you think you're doing um, and then ended up doing Ollie um, and it just seemed seemed simple and that's probably the thing that sparked the name, just the way it looked and um, I guess it just, it's my name, so it ran true and um, something that's very personal.
1: Yeah. Was that a tough part though when you were thinking in those early doors about a name for the brand? And I feel like no matter what name you throw up, there's always like a way to make it not sound like the right one or not cool enough.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, I can imagine the same with everything, starting a band or whether it's a brand or whatever it is, you have these ideas, for names and stuff like that, that sound really cool for a week. Um, It's probably the same as like when you want to get a tattoo. And got any tattoos? I've got a couple, but (laughs) when they, it's that thing where when they say you want to get a tattoo, you should print it out, put it on your mirror, so every time you brush your teeth, you have to look at it and see if you like it. And a lot of those names, I'm like, thank God I didn't do that. Um, and I actually just put my name down because when you register a business, um, I was a sole trader, so I just put, put my name down and thought I could just change that whenever. But, um, yeah, kind of just stuck from, from very, very early on.
1: So what were those high school days like? Was it really a case of you just drawing and making stuff that you liked for, for you and your mates?
0: Yeah, I I think, um, I've always just really liked drawing, um. It's been the the thing that I've enjoyed doing. It's what I've done when um, when I have spare time. My mom was telling me on the other day that I actually didn't draw until I was four or five. Yeah, right. I just didn't even try or attempt to. Um, which obviously I don't remember. That's a long time ago. But um, she reckons that when I did start drawing when I was four, I was already drawing in like full perspective. So I didn't do like the it starts as a circle and then the circle gets stick arms and stuff like that. Like I just went straight to anatomical drawing. Wow. Which, again, I don't remember, but um, either it is a great story and she's made it up or could be true. But um, it's just something I do remember from very early on. I, I really like drawing people um, and detailed things. Um, and then, yeah, during high school, it was a bit of a mixture of I hated wearing what everyone else was wearing, always was a bit of a different cat. Whether it was, and I remember being, the other problem with when you're young is I was actually quite small and like surf brands, when you're like not quite big enough for a small or whatever, that's probably where it started and then just decided to make some of my own stuff and my parents really encouraging. We used to do shit like that during Christmas holidays or summer holidays and just be doing arts and crafts and whatnot. So um, yeah, it was basically just making stuff for myself to wear so that I was different at the party or yeah. whatever, or different things. And then interest from mates kind of sparked it.
1: Yeah. Um, that's that's interesting that you never really kind of went through that early drawing phase as a kid and bang, you were just, I don't know, you leapfrogged everyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess so. Did you get to skip year one because of that or?
0: <laughs> oh, I think um, yeah, maybe you want an art class, but um, maths and everything else has never been my strong, strong point. So, yeah, drawing's always been an art, particularly has always been what I've been interested in.
1: When did you think this might be more than just something I do because I want different clothes and I like to draw and this might be something that I can do to spend my days uh, and and as a career?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I was, like, reflecting on this um, not too long ago because we're coming up to our nine-year anniversary, like, officially. But I guess it's been way longer than that um, doing it. But I think um, I remember remember during high school – you now you do your career choices and you ask like what you want to do, pick your subjects and that kind of stuff. Um, I said I want to have a T shirt brand. And I remember t shirts uh, teachers kinda of being like, That's not really a job kind of thing. Like you should probably have a backup plan or whatever. The old backup plan. Yeah, you gotta have backup How many plan. career
1: guidance <laughs> counsellors just gave that advice?
0: Yeah, far out. So um yeah, I just I'm I'm a bit of an arrogant prick or like when someone said you can't do something, that makes me want to do it a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just remember being like, "No, nah, that's what I, that's what I want to do." I didn't have a backup plan, but um, that must be what well, before year eleven. So, obviously, was thinking about it seriously from when I was in year ten, so 15, 15 years old. But um, yeah, I guess from there, it's all kind of just panned out. A lot, of, a lot of luck, I'll have you, uh, but. Um, yeah, obviously a lot of hard work as well.
1: So thank God for that teacher who told you you need a backup plan just <laughs> to maybe put a bit of fire in there for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I remember at my school as well they weren't actually going to offer art as a really? ATAR subject, right? So back then, I think it's called ATAR or waste, whatever it's called now. Um, and obviously they push you to, to do ATAR or waste that kind of thing. So, and and I wanted to do that to leave my options open for uni or whatever it might may be, but. Um, Thankfully, my mum really pushed for them to do it and they ended up having to do, like, a mixed um, mixed class of, like, year 10s, 11s and 12s, all in the same class to, to get ATAR art through. Um, so, thank God, yeah, thank God they did because um, I think during 11-12, year 11-12, that's when, like, that's pretty stressful and if I wasn't doing art as a subject, I really wouldn't have enjoyed school. But because I had that balance, I really, really enjoyed my time at at high school
1: do you still find a way to to get that through art away from the the brand or is it always concentrated um through ollie
0: yeah it's it's interesting like i don't know if i've done a drawing for the point of drawing in like ages um but only recently got into painting like when i say got into painting it makes me sound real wanky but like (laughs) just just painting like abstract things for the point of just doing something which i've Finds quite like meditative however you say that yeah it's just like something different to do and and having a two-year-old son as well who's like wanting to get him into getting messy and doing art and stuff like that as well so um that's been enjoyable because i actually hated painting when i was in high school um hated sculpture like it's when i say i like art it's a weird one because i actually don't like art (laughs) like when you talk about art as general like i don't like going to museums i don't know any artists like i couldn't name artists but i just l- I've always liked drawing yeah. which is like the bit that i like and that's why i actually like hated uni i did one i think yeah i think i finished the first year uh, of fine art and i just like i hate doing art for the reason of having to then make up a reason for why you did that like a deeper meaning thing yeah like that's just not it's like just seems like bullshit to me like i'd Draw things because that's what I feel like doing in a way rather than it being some deep thing that means something that it definitely doesn't. You kind of go on instinct a bit, it sounds like. You just yeah. like
1: doing stuff you like to do and you go down the rabbit hole and see what happens.
0: Yeah, well, I've, and I only do it once. If I am doing a drawing or something and it's not working, I don't do that again. I, it's like, it's real stubborn. Um, I guess that's the word, not arrogant. It's stubborn. Like, I don't like, it's exactly right, I don't like doing things that I'm not good at. Or I don't like doing things that I don't want to do. Yeah, they're not um, enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, because it just, to me, it just seems like a waste of time. Obviously, the stuff you have to do, have to clean the house, have to do the stuff that no one really likes doing. But when it comes to like a job or something that you're doing long term or whatever, um, I don't like doing stuff that I don't enjoy doing.
1: I used to call it sausage making. You know, there's always a sausage making, but you should always be going after the steak. Yeah. Which probably, you know, isn't. Great for a lot of people who may be a vegetarian or vegan, yeah. um, like my wife, yeah. sorry. Um, so take us back then a little bit because you, you love drawing. You start designing some stuff uh, mainly because you want something cool to wear that's different to everyone else. Yep. Your mates get in on it. You have this teacher who's like, get your backup plan together and you're like, stuff you, I'm going full throttle at this. So yep. did you pursue it straight away um, after school or was it a little bit later that you had full crack at, at making this a business?
0: A bit of a mixture. Like I finished finished high school and, and, and did did pretty well. Got um yeah, got a score or whatever they call it that could get you into most things. But um it's still what I wanted to do. So I actually enrolled in fine art at Curtin Uni. Um and the, I guess their plan um was to do that. Finish that and then maybe do like a TAFE course or something in business to learn business things I didn't do any business kind of studies at school or anything like that Um, but when I yeah when I got there kind of just wasn't again something that I was in wasn't really enjoying like I didn't mind the the art making part of it but as expected with uni becomes assignments and art history and it's just stuff that like to me when I'm thinking about long term like what I want to do Art history didn't have much of a impact. It wasn't relevant, on that. right? Yeah, it's yeah. not really like one of the stepping stones. So, probably got to halfway through first year, and I was like, this is this isn't what I want to do. Uh, and I started looking at maybe what I did want to do. You start thinking about 18, or I was actually 17. Um, maybe yeah, backup plan or whatever. Um, and I thought I wanted to do industrial design, maybe furniture design. Um, I was working as a cabinet maker at the time. Um, I've always liked working with my hands, um, so that was actually the plan I enrolled to change over to industrial furniture design, um, and, uh, then during the Christmas or whatever it is, the end of, end of semester, uh, I decided to defer, um, and just see how I went and do one year of making t-shirts, um. And then was, yeah, going to come back and do industrial furniture design. But, um, yeah, I went into that year with no background in screen printing. I'd never done screen printing. Yeah, right. Um, I didn't know how to do any of it, but um, I basically saved up 600 bucks from my job, um, which was, yeah, cabinet maker, and I was driving a coffee van as well. Bought a box of T-shirts and the bare minimum stuff you need to learn how to screen print and gave that a, a crack.
1: So you started Ollie clothing with six hundred bucks. yep,
0: how yep. good yeah it's um it's pretty nuts to look look back on even now yeah we've we've never had a loan or had investment or anything like that, so everything is, it's crazy to think yeah, everything's come from that.
1: You might just be the smartest business person going around, you know <laughs> like um, keep it within your means and build it up
0: well that's the, yeah, it's like I'd like to claim I'm a genius or whatever, but it's it's the thing that like it more started as a hobby that has turned into a business. Like yeah. I wasn't at uni going like I'm doing commerce and business. And I want to make money. Where's a gap in the market kind of thing. Um, so it's all like I've never done anything with 10-year plans or whatever. Um, and I'm always from the start been very willing to like do the hard work. It's like I didn't want to just start something and then not actually be that interested in it and sell it or whatever. So it's – um yeah – it's it's in a lot of its right place right time when you talk about cap in the market instagram was very new all those kinds of things that like just for some reason it's all panned out for me i reckon
1: is that why you think it it's worked or one of the reasons because it's been authentic and because you just love it and if you love something you're just going to work as hard as you need to 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 make it work
0: yeah i think that's that's pretty much it like um that's a secret. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. Let's <laughs> close this up. Uh, but I, yeah, I do think like if you genuinely are passionate about something, you'll you'll push to do it and do it properly. Like there's been that many times in the business where things that are all time low, and it's if I reckon if it wasn't something that you were passionate about as an interest or a hobby, you would just go this isn't this isn't worth it kind of thing. Because if it was just a business and I was selling whatever then it um, it wouldn't matter so much if it was just that kind of thing but because it's something that i just want to do so badly you just you make things work and i think business is like that especially those first years you you got to push through some through some stuff and i get messages all the time like how did you start or how did the first five years go or whatever and it's like how much time have you got yeah because it's not really like a something I can reply to via a DM and it's not going to be the same for that person either because, like I said, timing of things or Instagram and the way that you market it and that kind of stuff, like, it's... Um, I reckon if I tried to start this now, I'm glad I didn't go to uni and then do TAFE and then some other course in business and then try to start it because I think it just wouldn't, wouldn't work.
1: Yeah. So would that be... I know you get hit up, right, when people sending you DMs and, yeah, and wanting some advice, but would that be the the core advice to anyone, whether it's someone that wants to start screen printing teas or wants to start a cafe, like get into it if that's what you really give a shit about uh, and and just be authentic to it.
0: Yeah, and I think like the important bit is you can't start like where you see the people that you admire. Like you can't just, like for you guys, I can't go, I, I really like beer and I want to make beer for Obdis Stadium or whatever. Like that's fine. If that's what you want to do, but that's not where you're going to start off. And like, I think people see what well, we're doing, uh, yeah, a new collection every week, and all the ten staff and the warehouse and a shop, and they're like, "I want that," but they don't want to look at ten years ago when you're doing markets out of the back of your car, you're working from your dad's spare room, like that kind of stuff is not like that's not sexy, right? It's not sexy now, nah, but it's like it's just part of the part of the growth of of any business and whether that's yeah making and selling t-shirts or brewing beer or whatever it is it doesn't just start at the top
1: so have you had moments then because you didn't have this grand plan of where you wanted it to be where you've stopped for a second and gone oh shit like we're here like this is what it is now and almost been surprised at where you're at
0: yeah phoebe and i because so we run this together now which is yeah a whole nother part of the story phoebe's came on it's your partner, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're just about to get married. And we've got a little boy together. Um, so we're directors, 50-50. Um, it's funny because I'm the name and... Am well, I allowed to swear? No. Yeah. Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> I'm like the the face of this. I wear my fucking name tag everywhere and, and whatever. Um, and Phoebe is a 50-50 owner and just goes under the radar a lot. But um, she does like so much when it comes to the actual running of the brand um, and 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 making it work so it's just like <laughs> sometimes we both just sit there like shit this is pretty crazy like a store on william street next door to the store that i used to buy my blank shirts and markers from that the store that i loved when i was a, a kid um and yeah like 10 staff in this warehouse it's just like if i saw this when i was in high school and knew this is what was coming like you just wouldn't you just wouldn't believe it so it's um yeah there's so many times where um where you have to pinch yourself. But then there's so many times where, like, Phoebe and I have sold our cars to pay for your tax bills or your general bills or whatever. We lived in a $200 house for three years, renting and that kind of stuff. So it's in Midland. So it's just like, again, that's not sexy, and people don't know that. But they they see what you're doing and think, like, fuck, you must be living in a mansion and like, driving these cars or whatever. Because I think that's what places like instagram and stuff do even though thank god we don't do that we don't showcase that that kind of driving range rovers and getting a new car every month kind of thing but people see business and think business is sexy but like there's so much to it that isn't even close to close to that
1: is that one of the the frustrations maybe you get where people just think it is all those kind of things. And yeah. you're like, hey, like, it's been a slog. And, like, you're not complaining about the slog because you love it. You're doing what you love. But, yeah, they maybe don't appreciate everything that's gone into it, especially in an environment where we look to Instagram and we just see the finished result.
0: It's probably we, like, uh, some for some reason kind of love it. Like, I like the – I don't know. I like pr- – we like pressure, pressure. Um, I find it funny when people, like, get it all the time, whether they're mates or whatever, but, like, I also think people think it must be the easiest job ever. Like, you can rock up when you want, um, take days off whenever you want or whatever. And when people say stuff like that, like, I just find it funny because, like, again, it might look like that or you might think that if you had that job, that's how you would do it. But it's just usually the opposite of whatever people think. So, and there's not... Again, like, how much time have you got? You don't have, there's no point explaining that to people that are like, well, that must be easy or that must be so w- whatever. So it's just like, sure, that's what you want to think. Like, that's fine. It doesn't really – none of that really bothers, bothers me, I guess.
1: Um, you mentioned Phoebe before. Yeah. What's it like working with your partner and, and especially like working so much on, on a business and a clothing brand um, together?
0: I guess you better like that person because um <laughs> it's a lot of there's a lot of time, there's a lot of like discussion, and I guess it's like finding that perfect gap. Like it's gotta be the perfect person really because you are constantly when you're in a relationship with someone, you're obviously constantly talking about life and goals or whatever. If you have to mix that with business chat over dinner or constantly interjecting with stuff about work and stuff like that would really piss some people off. But because we both are so committed to it, it's like, it, it just works. So I don't think it would be for everyone. Like it could, could break a relationship quickly, but um, for Phoebe's nights, it's just been like the best thing because it would be pretty hard, I reckon also to run a business if the other person didn't know what was going on or again, like how hard some things were or whatever. You kind of ride that wave together. So, how did you guys meet and when was that? Instagram. Hey. Yeah, of all places. No, um, I... um, you didn't strike me as like a slide into the DMs I kind didn't. of guy, Holly. That's the bit. That's, that's the next part of the story. I did the old, like, liked two photos. The double like. The double like and then um, she liked one back and then I actually added her on Facebook. So, again, this is like six years ago. Uh, and then she messaged me on Facebook and said that I'm going to run out of photos to like soon, so... Uh, that was the start, start of it all. Um, she, Phoebe was uh, working as a model at the time. Right. Um, and then basically as soon as we met, we didn't spend a day apart. Uh, then she moved to Sydney uh, for a bit and I went over there with her and then I went to America with some mates. And, and when I came back, she moved into my dad's place with me, which is very romantic. Yeah. Um, And yeah, since then, you can have it all live with me and dad. Exactly. In the granny flat. Um, What a setup. So yeah, from there, we've just, um, yeah, gone one thing to another. Then she, she wasn't working with me at the, at the time, um, but pretty quickly we decided to open a store in Mount Lawley, our first store. And then uh, Phoebe came on board actually just to work retail. I'd never worked retail before. So she came on to like kind of sort that part out because she'd worked at Bonds and few other places and then yeah very soon whipped me into shape when it came to like just business stuff cash flow stuff um projections actually having a fucking plan um and an idea of what's going on um because i guess i did being a hobby it i did treat it still like that like wasn't very businessy yeah so it's like um i think a few times she's just like what's your what's your fucking plan with this like what do you want it to be kind of thing and when someone asks you that you're like jesus i don't good call i don't not sure just kind of was riding riding the wave of good and a lot of bad as well so it's um yeah it's been like phenomenal in actually turning it into a business
1: yeah that's interesting because you always probably viewed it a certain way right like you're yeah. doing something that you just gave a massive shit about and love doing every yeah. day um, but without her, did you, you see her as having that outside perspective of, hey, we can we can make this into, into what it is now.
0: Yeah, well, like within the brand and particularly my family, like Phoebe's referred to as the real boss. Um, because, yeah, it does take like someone that actually will do the businessy stuff, like your insurances, like... Your emails, your admin, like sort that stuff out. Your trade super important. Martyrs. Like yeah.
1: a million businesses have fallen by the wayside because that stuff wasn't sorted.
0: That shit can catch you out. So, yeah. um, like for me, I'm I'm very like in the moment or cr- and creative. So it's like I'm thinking. I think I'm thinking big picture when I'm thinking like future collections. But am I thinking cash flow? Am I thinking tax planning? Am I thinking employees? Like what we need, blah, blah, rent, negotiations, like all that stuff. That yep. I don't do any of that. You've probably emailed me before thinking you're talking to me and it's probably Phoebe. Like it's that awkward, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's legit like I'm just not someone that's very on top of that yep. stuff. Um so it's a, yeah, it's a good balance because also if Phoebe was like wanting to create collections and do the drawing, then we might be having a different conversation because like we don't step on each other's toes. Like we just trust the other person has that lane sorted and I've got mine. We still talk about it, but it's not like having too much of an in input on both things.
1: That's really interesting. So you respect and trust each other enough to take care of your area yep. and probably trust enough uh, each other enough to talk about it, but yep. ultimately for them to, to make the call.
0: Yeah. It's almost, it almost does sound very businessy. Like that yep. person has that last say on that area and it's just, that's the way it works, and that's the way it has worked, so, and um, hopefully, we'll continue to. Yeah.
1: Why screen printing? Because you mentioned earlier that you hadn't done that before yep. going through high school. When did you discover that, and why is that the the way you wanted to do it uh, for for your brand? I think, um,
0: like my, I come from a pretty arty, I guess, family. Um, both my parents are architects. My sister studied fine art at Curtin. Um, and we've always been encouraged as kids to do, do art. And I probably just looked to, I guess like you do when you're young, you look to your parents, you look to people around you to like for guidance, I guess. And they, I guess they were the ones that said, that's how you make t-shirts that like screen printing. It's the traditional way to make teas. Obviously there's there's shit now that prints it out like a printer, um, DTG, I think it's called direct to garment printers and stuff like that, but. A, I didn't have $30,000 to spend on one of those. And B, again, it was a hobby. So um, screen printing is fairly low cost to set up. Um, i would made paper stencils and all kinds of things to learn how to do it. But um, yeah, I think that was just doing the Google research. It's like I don't have a degree, but I did a lot of YouTubing and reading online. And that's pretty much what how I learned how to do it all. There's enough information should. out
1: there for free, right? Exactly. Um, so I've obviously been at your studio before and, and seen you work but for people who might not have seen screen printing before how does that how does
0: that work <laughs> we're just about to release a t that's how to screen print as well that's hilarious um, just so that just to clear it up because it's like um when we take videos and stuff it's people's brains like explode um in the dms because it's just like it is kind of there's something nice about watching it from start to finish i guess and you've seen it too it's very hands-on very old school but basically it you could describe it as like a picture frame with a mesh covering. Um, but basically the, the mesh is solid, no ink can go through it. But you then you burn your design, your drawing into the mesh um, and then allows ink to pass through those areas. So if you hold it up to a, to a light or whatever, you'd only see light come through where your drawing, I guess, is. And then you use a squeegee uh, to push the ink through onto the T-shirt and put it through like a – we put it through a big dryer um, but you could just use a heat gun or a hairdryer or something to basically set the ink and cure it. And and that's done by hand. That's not done
1: through a machine. That's no. someone is pushing that, oh, what would you call it? Almost a like, like a big squeegee. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, pushing the ink down onto each individual tee yeah. or hoodie. So,
0: yeah, it's very like labour intensive and that's why now, yeah, they have heat press and they've got DTG and all these other things, but I don't know, for me, silk screening just reigns supreme in... The, the theater of it, um, but also the longevity of the product um, I just think is, is, a, is a better product.
1: Have you ever been tempted to go another way?
0: Not really. No. no. Like we, the way we operate now, we could easily outsource our printing um, because like I said, we're so, we're planned like quite far ahead. Um, so where the T-shirt gets made, we could just get the T-shirts printed there as well for me, there's just something wrong about that. And it's not wrong for other brands, but more so because it's what we preach almost like. Yep. It's just the way we do it. And this isn't the way that anyone else does it. So that's what makes us different.
1: I know things are different when you've done it three billion times. But when I watch you and other crew here yep. doing the, the screen printing, I get stressed because yep. I'd be thinking, oh, is that T-shirt perfectly placed and have I put enough pressure down and yep. I've got to get it right. And if I muck it up, like it's done. Um, do you still feel stressed when you do it or is it almost therapeutic now?
0: Uh, it's like that old thing. It's like riding a bike, I guess. Like once you, once you know how to do it, it's, um it's quite easy. But that first, like the first time doing it, I reckon I fucked up oh, my first 20 shirts or something like that. But yep. again, it's like when you're burning through your own money and you don't have fuck all of it, um you're gonna learn to not do that again pretty quick yeah so it's yeah like doing a degree or whatever even it, you still might not learn that much because you might not be fully paying attention but yeah when it's your own money and your own fuck-ups you definitely don't want to do that so with the beforehand. setup now
1: like how many shirts would you do in a set amount of time do, do you even know or it's just get these done this is how many orders we've
0: got Different you days push it are, out? Yeah, different days are different like um the moment we're working on some mystery box stuff, um, which is Boxing Day, um, and you're printing the same thing over and over again. So, like one person, we've got two or three presses, but usually two people printing. Uh, each person could probably print three hundred in a day. So again, it's not it's not heaps like. Um, so it's still labor intensive, and you have to really split it up across five days, kind of thing. But um, it's it's definitely a lot de- more compared to when I was doing it myself in a spare room kind of thing at home
1: yeah what was that um, moment like when you decided to open your first retail store and i remember the one in mount lawley i remember yep. the lines when you were dropping something new yeah kind of stretching around you know through the alley around onto the street yeah um but but how did you make that decision and, and kind of how nervous were you to move into that world of retail i
0: think again it's weird i i probably don't really get nervous which is strange but it's, don't know if because i'm thinking further ahead or just back in what you're doing and just hope that it works kind of thing. Um, but I think for us, the Mount Wally store was just the next organic step. Like we talk about the brand as um, like organic because we had never paid for advertising um, in the early days. We, yeah, like I said, didn't outsource to people. It was just doing it all itself. It was all about word of mouth. It was all about good experience or, all those kinds of things. So that just seemed like the next tangible thing to do. Um, was open that store and we'd done a few openings at our warehouse in Burswood that um, just went fucking nuts. Like
1: Completely more than you thought it would be?
0: Yeah, it was like, just wanted to see if people would give a shit yeah. about seeing the process and live printing and that kind of thing. Um, and we had, we did not on Anzac Day, it was raining. Um, so already two of those things was thinking like, it's not going to be busy and we had... I reckon there was close to 200 people lining up in the rain to come in. We sold out of shirts in six minutes kind of thing, like once they were in and ended up just having to print whatever on a T-shirt and people were buying it. After that, that's when you're like, fuck, we should have a shop all the time. There's something here, yeah. Yeah, Um, Mind you, like when we did open Mount Lully, I probably was because you'd had that false sense of like, this is busy, was expecting it to be busy all the time, but then quickly learned retail is like, not guaranteed, um, especially we were in a laneway access, yeah, from the back of a car park. We had no street frontage, all those kinds of things, which was on purpose. We wanted to be a bit hidden, but um, that was like a learning curve. But I'm glad we did that first to test it, see if it actually worked because basically anything could work if, if that space did.
1: Yeah, right. There's so you almost think there. you're stacking it against yourself with, with how it was?
0: A little bit. Yeah. I think like... I don't know, there's just part of me that's, like, never wanted to be – like, I never wanted this to be a big thing as well. Like, it's just particularly in Perth that, like, um, that mentality. And and it's almost going against what I'm saying because when I was young, I wanted to wear something different to everyone else. So, like, that was the point of this whole thing. So, I don't really want this to get any bigger than – especially in Perth than it is at the moment because it's like, yeah, I don't want people walking around and – wearing the same thing as everyone. So that's also, it's gone off on a different tangent, but also why we do weekly collections is because if you limit it, then it's not like a big big brand where we've got 2,000 of something and then everyone could be wearing it. You just make 30 of them. If there's 30 people wearing it in a room, that's lucky. They must be the th- only 30 people that have it. But it's, it's about making things feel a little bit more personal and, um, a bit special, I guess. It
1: must be a weird thing to weigh up in your head a little bit yeah. about, you know, you want people to be wearing your clothes yeah. but not wanting it too much.
0: Yeah, it's like, um, it's a, it's a fine line to walk and it's probably lucky I'm not a businessman because it's probably a shit business structure um, if you're talking about making money. But um, it's still not about that for me. Um, and I guess it, it all comes back to same thing like it's my name on a shirt um it's very, still very personal um and then i don't want to be a hypocrite as well so like um yeah it's walking that fine line between being able to build a brand um organically um and yeah and sell enough clothes to make that possible and be able to employ people and all that kind of thing but also not sell out because like, we had offers of like to go into surf stitch and all those big like on t- online retails and stuff like that. Um, but it's just not part of my planning. Was that a tough, tough one to consider? Did you have to think twice? Not really. Um, which is a good sign for me isn't because it? I think if you were considering that you maybe were going on a different tangent with the brand,
1: the the, the goal is different, right?
0: Yeah. You yeah. Like you, you'd probably be thinking money rather than, um, ethics and all the things that you built it, and we're particularly going in a completely different um, area at the moment which is yet to keep limiting things um, and now looking at our sustainability um, which is all stuff that costs money um, like introducing fabrics that are way more expensive like hemp and um, linen, organic cotton and stuff like that that are going to do the opposite, cost a lot more but they're going to make the brand better than other brands better for people and something that people want to, again, be a part of and buy into that culture.
1: So what are you trying to create with Ollie then?
0: I literally am still making, wanting to make things that I want to wear. So it's like the brand has grown, um, particularly with me and and Phoebe's but it started as what I wanted when I was 17. And that's what I was making. And now I'm still making things that I want when I'm 27. Um, so obviously the... Again, I don't really think about the target audience or what that is because I'm still, like, we've just done our winter planning for for next year and I'm sitting there thinking about what I want to wear for winter next year. Like, what are the layers that I want? What are the colours? What are the fabrics? Blah, blah. I'm not looking at what's this brand doing or what are the trends or whatever because we'd all be walking around in ripped, whatever. But, um, yeah, for me, it's just more about what I want, which sound, which is selfish, but it's it's staying true to like the the ethics of the brand and what, what we want to do.
1: Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw someone wearing your gear that you didn't know?
0: I don't remember the particular one, but um, I do remember like because I was 17 when I started this and then I remember turning 18 and seeing people wearing it like out and thinking like, fuck, that's pretty nuts. But even now like we'll be driving and – Spot or someone wearing it or whatever, and it still has that same feeling of like that's pretty crazy that someone actually likes something enough to buy it, um, and wear around. But it's yeah, it's not saying that I'd go up to someone and be like, "Do you know who I am?" Hey hey yeah (laughs) yeah, that's my name on your yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's me (laughs) yeah exactly. Did you want to have a photo? (laughs) Exactly. I like, I'm a I'm a pretty shy person unless I'm comfortable or I've had a few drinks, but I wouldn't um, yeah, it's just not saying that. Like, other, other business owners would be good at that. Um, what do they call it? That when people socialise and oh, whatever. Networking? Networking, yeah. no thanks. I so, suck at that yeah. too, yeah. No, that's not for me. Like, I love talking to people if they're interested, but I would never want to push myself on someone yeah. thinking that they gave a shit. So you me.
1: still get a massive kick if you see someone wearing your stuff?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I get a huge kick if, if they come and talk to me or whatever. But, I, yeah, it's not something that I like. I don't really like approaching people and trying to – strike up a convo and talk about being, or like go to things and talk about being an entrepreneur or whatever they want to call you. That yeah. That kind of shit. It's just no thanks.
1: Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about the design side of things. And yes. you were saying just before that it had been ages since you'd just drawn something or painted something just, just for yourself. But how much time do you do you spend on that? And where does like the inspiration for for your design come from?
0: It's um like particularly in the last... Two years, it's changed heaps. We've, um, yeah, we went from, I think, pre-COVID, we have had four employees and now we've got, we're a team of 11, so we've got nine. Wow. Um, and now, yeah, working on weekly collections, we're doing a lot more cut and sew, which is something I'm really interested in. Um, so a lot of my kind of design stage now is like sketching um, on paper or on the iPad of just like ideas um, and then, even now, I like a lot of the drawing, drawing part. Probably more than fifty percent of it, I don't do myself either. We've got um, Micah, who works for us, who came on board as a screen printer early, but he's got a really similar drawing style to me, and we're both into similar things. So um, that's been really cool to be able to like work on things like bigger picture again, um, and like kind of not outsource that. It's all done in this studio but then he's able to do that side of things and the drawing so like still a lot of the ideas yeah i'll come come to the table with like i've i've had this idea for this shirt or this design this is what i'm thinking and then him and i'll spitball it um and he'll then sketch it whether whether i tweak some stuff or don't because like all the time it's perfect ready to go um it's been really nice so it's that same kind of development thing with phoebs coming on board is like I think early on for me it was really hard to um, kind of give responsibility to other people and ownership as well um, because I'm a bit of a perfectionist with stuff like that um, and that was even with screen printing. I didn't want anyone else doing it. I wanted to do it. Packing orders, didn't want anyone else to do that. I wanted to do that but you soon realise that like that's not actually physically possible within the time that you've got. So, um, yeah, now I don't do – a lot of drawing just when when I do it's probably not at work it's probably at home at night time or those kinds of things because when I'm at work I'm doing like just talking to everyone here uh, doing spec sheets where uh, doing fabric selections mundane tasks like ordering stock and a shitload of excel spreadsheets and stuff like that so it's um it's more of the actual businessy things now um rather than designing but I still really like enjoy that and i'm enjoying managing people if you want to call it that um i get a kick out of seeing people enjoying themselves but also seeing people take on responsibility like micah doing the drawing and stuff like that because it's something that he wants to do as well
1: so because your name's on the tag right um you and you're a perfectionist and you want to be in control of things but that's something you actively worked at to to allow people to to kind of learn and grow and take on more responsibility
0: yeah yeah it's um also, something that within the brand, like you almost have to earn that as well. Like, yep. you don't just walk in and start doing that because fuck, I would love to do that as a job. But uh, Micah has done a shitload of screen printing, um, watched how we go about things, has a really good feel for the brand, and the same as Abby and Sakura, who are um, our newest kind of employees, the girls, but they've actually studied um, fashion at university know a fuckload more than i do um so like before we're producing garments based off my shitty sketches on the ipad and sending that to manufacturers and then having to resample like five times because i know nothing about grading and all these like actual technical terms whereas now i still do those shitty drawings but then i give it to them and they make it into a proper spec sheet that's graded it's got all your technical stitch terms, everything on it, and it's ready to go, and it's fast-tracking the process a lot as well. So their their responsibility is that obviously you invest in people, but you have to really like both of those girls to have really like fitted in seamlessly with the brand and what we want to be doing big picture um, and the direction we want to go in as well because it's not a huge warehouse, but like even seven people in here is is cosy, so yeah. everyone's got to know – What's going on, and also give a fuck about why we're doing this and what we want to be doing.
1: So, you gotta, you they have to beat your people, really. Yeah. yeah. You gotta yeah. trust them,
0: and you gotta be able to know that they're doing the right thing or wanting to do the right thing when you're not here, and, and all that kind of thing. to It's like a big responsibility.
1: Yeah. One thing that I found interesting when I was talking to a few of your crew um, last time I yeah. was here was that a lot of them screen print themselves and have their own brands that they're trying to get up. Yep. And I was like, wow, you know, it's almost like you're kind of letting the wolves yeah. in, right? Okay. These would be competitors learning all your secret ways. Um, internship. Yeah. Is that, is that something that um, like worries you at all? Or why do you want people here who maybe uh, have their own kind of brand on the side? And is it a passion thing? What, what's that about?
0: Yeah. It's like, it's a mixture of thing. It, it's, It's, again, just the right people. Um, Like, if they've got hobbies and aspirations, and we've had a few of our crew leave to do their own thing or whatever. Um, But, like, as bad as it is, we've got a line of people that want to work here. Um, But these guys, even though they've got other stuff going on, they uh, committed to what we're doing and really focused on that. And whether they long-term decide this is what they want to do career-wise or whatever, and that's great, but um, I don't know, it's just the right people at the right time and so long as it's all working out for everyone and they're managing to deal with their their lives and stress and whatever because everyone's got shit going on, like whether it's running a, a brand or having a hectic family or whatever it is, like everyone's got stuff going on um, outside of work, but again, it's just like treating people like being a nice person basically and um, treating them treating them well and... I just hope that they then give that back and um, creating that culture, I guess, is like the big thing. We create culture within our brand that we, I guess, market in a way. Um, but if that's not the actual culture, then what are you doing? So a lot of the stuff we do in here is focused on creating an environment that is enjoyable because you want people to actually rock up to work and enjoy it, not then go home and be like, fuck, that sucks. Yeah. Because I don't want to work in a place that sucks. And I wouldn't want to have a job that sucks either. So, like, yeah, you got to make sure that that's you're striking that balance right.
1: What's the vibe like during the day here?
0: It's, it changes. Like, different energy is necessary. I reckon. Like, I'm someone that loves headphones in and a podcast on. Um, but depending on what I'm doing, like that changes because if you're doing, I like that for creative stuff. But if we're doing, say, I call it bigger picture stuff, but if it's like. Group planning then you want to be all in the same area being able to talk about ideas or whatever um and then some of them here like jamie love um loud shit music um some don't so it's like there's a lot of um airpods action yeah uh the coffee machine gets a workout we like doing like group lunches and stuff in here as well but um uh fun facts a lot of that a lot of shit talking fun facts yeah micah is king of just Useless information. That I love that. You no know, We've got a book in there that when he says something, someone's just got to write it down. Because what was the
1: last Micah fun fact?
0: Oh, God. I couldn't even remember the last one, but so many of them are just stuff that I can't even think about holding in my brain because it will push out something important. <laughs> so Is there
1: a literal book of fun facts?
0: Yeah. Um, I think there was a book that they started with fun facts and good chats and just used to document the shit that's said at lunchtime. I love um, it. Because there's some questionable stuff
1: there's yeah <laughs> there's your new podcast for <laughs> me yeah, exactly. you can have one that you guys put out
0: yeah fun facts and good chats
1: yeah uh, and sick tracks I don't know it yeah, exactly. um, all kind of works <laughs> yeah uh, so you want to create an environment for people in the team where you'd want to work essentially right
0: basically yeah because yeah. again it's all about preaching and then following through with that because I don't want work to feel like work I want work to feel like I enjoy it um, and then you just want everyone else to feel that that same way yeah if you're not if you're not passionate about something that's what it comes back to as well then you're not probably doing it properly um and that's kind of the thing that we encourage like if you if you're here to be here and, and in, enjoy it um
1: i know you said a massive part of kind of things getting to where they are today um was phoebe coming on board yeah um on the design side of things and it's probably never just one thing but was there a particular design or tee or line you think that that really kind of pushed things along or that people just seemed to to really love and, and gravitate towards? It's
0: hard because like um, our very first collection, I guess like there's a lot of quirky shit that's like um, we find that we you have to like bridge the gap between branded and arty because yeah. like even myself, like I love wearing a blank shirt Um, that's a nice fitting shirt and it's a good fabric. But that's me as a 27-year-old, whereas me as a 17-year-old loved like big prints and stuff like that. So when I say the brand has grown with with me as I have my own style, like you have to make sure that you cover all those bases and I think that's that thing where people DM and like all that kind of stuff and I always actually try to reply and have a look at what they're doing, give any like feedback or whatever because – I wish I asked more questions when I first started, but um, I don't feel like you can just create a brand on an color t-shirt and put the name on there in a font. Like it's – those brands work because you have both sides. Like our college tee is one of our most popular shirts, but it just says Ollie on the front. But is it popular because we do those other collections that are like heavy art kind of stuff, which a lot of people and colours and shit like that, people – when you're in store like you can see it people go oh that's cool but then they buy the logo tee they don't buy that one they go that's cool because not everyone wears that style so you got to have both i think um it's like a really important part of making a brand but i don't know if there's been a particular design maybe like the big dog's only tee's not that old so that was later in the piece but a few afl players made that pretty big um and Did that happen on
1: accident, or were they just people that you knew, and um, or was it something that you were like, "Hey guys, chuck this on"?
0: No, I'm not a. Because that doesn't strike me as your vibe. No, I'm not into the, like, send stuff for a shout out. Yeah, and stuff. I, again, it's not organic. Like so Kim Kardashian's got to pay. Yeah, yeah, Well, even like as soon as someone's saying "Cheers, Ollie" for the threads or whatever, whoever's seeing that is going, Ollie's giving them those clothes. This for free. isn't real. Yeah, yeah. I rather. Um, people doesn't I don't care who they are like if they're wearing it I want them to enjoy wearing it like Max Gorn or whoever it is like they wear they buy and wear the clothes because they like it so they're not posting on their story swipe up for 10% off use code max or whatever it's it's like they're buying it you see them on the news or whatever wearing it after their scans or their win or whatever because they like it and that's more authentic so the big dogs only shirt was actually a collaboration with the butcher shop who were next door to us um Northbridge, and that's where I used to buy my blank shirts from. They were my first stockist. Yeah. Um, so the big story there. But um they had a dog, Frank, who uh, not that long ago passed, and I've got my dog, Bruce. Um, and we always had this idea. Um, it's a bit tongue in cheek, like big dogs only. Um, and I just had an idea that it'd be a cool collab, um, kind of inspired by the signs that people have in their gates, like beware of dog kind of thing. Um so I did that design. We did a collab with them, which it went fine, but it wasn't like, fuck, this is next level. Yep. Uh, and then Patrick Cripps wore it um, for the AFLX thing, that the AFL trialed, and I guess all the players had to wear, they were meant to wear clothes that, like, sum them up, like the NBA, and walk out, like, looking all cool and stuff. That's and right. There
1: were some dudes doing the really sharp suit and the sunnies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, others kind of wearing more streetwear stuff. Yeah, so yep.
0: um, Patty texted me, because I got to know him because he, come to the shop when they're in Perth. his wa boy and stuff so um he'd text me saying i'm gonna wear the big dogs only tee uh for aflx and i i felt bad because I, I read it in the morning and went i replied and it was like nice one or something um <laughs> but i didn't realize that they were doing a walk out thing so i'm just thinking here he's gonna wear it to the game like cool yeah, like just who's, who's gonna see it yeah. kind of thing but still cool but then um I, I was driving to the pub to watch it and um, my phone just started blowing up and I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And then when I got there, I'd seen the AFL post a photo of him, um, all these people sending me it and all this kind of stuff and he's walked out and he's like ho- literally holding the shirt to the camera kind of thing like on his chest and was basically going by, everyone calling him Big Dog that game, that day and stuff like that. So from there that went pretty nuts um, and just, yeah, it's – since then it's still just been a classic. Like we just kept that shirt around. A lot of stuff we don't keep for that long, but that's um that's kind of a staple.
1: Yeah. How did you feel though? Any we, did you love it? Or were you a bit like, oh, I feel a little
0: bit embarrassed or It's a it's a mixture. I kinda like I've got like um really bad imposter syndrome. Right. So like for me, I'm like, fuck, that's like it's a bit crazy and then I can't really comprehend it kind of thing. Um, how many people would have seen it and that kind of stuff, but also loved it. Like um, I think cringy only happens like when my dad walks in or <laughs> something <laughs> like that. But not not even that. I don't think I ever actually cringe at anyone wearing it because we, my old man rocks it hard, and um, my uncles and everything as well. Like and that's the thing with the brand is it's not like surf like categorized to streetwear or whatever. Um, we just legit call it just daily wears because we want it to be as universal as it can like girls wear it old people wear it young people wear it whatever and there's like i was saying before there's a mixture of heavy art stuff there's staple basics and simple stuff so it's kind of suitable for whoever wants to wear it
1: yeah yeah it kind of goes back to the reason you do it right yeah. wear it if you like it
0: exactly. i do it because i like it yeah wear it exactly wear it if you like it and if you don't like it i actually don't care um and it's something i used to again weirdly enjoy when i used to wear the shop i don't work there anymore but when you'd hear mum be like, this is shit or something like that, like looking at something, I would love that because I don't know, some people that would get them down or whatever. But for me, I'm like, that's perfect because that's not for you to wear kind of thing. Like someone else. Yeah. That's music to like your that. ears. Yeah. yeah. Per- that means you've done it well. It's like when someone with bad style is like, Oh, that looks good. And you're like,
1: fuck. What have I done
0: wrong? Yeah. The, damn it, that mustn't be, that mustn't be right. So, yeah. um, yeah, stuff like that. never, never, never bothered me.
1: Yeah. Hey, um, Thanks so much for letting us hang out for an hour and have a chat. And, oh, it's uh, been good. Yeah, it's been awesome to kind of hear about how it all started and, and where it's going. Thanks so much.
0: No, cheers. Thanks for having me, man.
1: That's Ollie from Ollie Clothing. You can check him out on socials. His Insta handle is at Ollie Clothing. His website is ollieclothing.com. And if you're in WA, pay the crew a visit. Their stores at 278 Williams Street in Perth. Thanks for taking a listen to Living the Dream. I'm Jamie Burnett. We'll catch you next time.